right now we have this opportunity to sort of witness our lives and watch the energy around us unfold. It's about observing all the ups and downs instead of constantly reacting to them. This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to episode 112 of Yes And, brought to you by our friends at Advocare. Advocare is a wellness company on a mission to support your health needs with high vibe resources and products. And guess what, babe? We have a code. Use Yes And 15. That's Yes And 15 anytime you shop to get discounts and support this podcast when you do. All right. Welcome back or welcome to the show. Okay. Do you hear me shuffling? It's a solo. We've got a solo today. It's me. It's you, babe. And we're going to get into it. But okay. So I pulled my Affirminators. It's a card deck called Affirminators. I'll link in the show notes. They are 50 affirmation cards to help you help yourself without the self-helpiness. Okay. This is like the best little gift you could tuck into someone's birthday bag or a fun little surprise you can send to someone that you love from Amazon with a fun little note. I love these cards. They make me so happy. So I'm going to pull one with you right now because I just need to feel happy. I need that vibe and I'm giving it a shuffle. All right. Close my eyes. Tell us what we need to know. Affirmidators. And here it is. I pulled a card that says clarity. Okay. And it's got a little orange kind of peeling itself. It's this cute little orange with the face and the orange is like half peeled and it's kind of peeling itself. And then there's a trash can right next to the orange. And here's what it says. Stopping to listen to my inner self, I can easily separate my intuition from my mental chatter. The clarity of my intuition is a sweet, simple fruit that tastes familiar And the mental chatter is a confusing, bitter rind that I shall peel off and chuck into the garbage or compost heap if your mental chatter happens to be organic. (laughs) I love these cards. I love this so much. So like think of yourself right now as a big old juicy orange, okay? The clarity you seek, like clarity feels like the juiciness of the orange itself. It's that inner knowing. It is what's inside the peel. It is the juicy, sweet nectar of familiarity, right? Something you and only your heart know where mental chatter and all the stuff other people want or what everybody's saying and what everybody's doing in the Instagram and the perfect filters and all the things like that is the bitter rind. That's what's on the outside. That's the superficial thing that actually can keep us safe. Most certainly it protects the juiciness of the orange, but it could also get in the way. It's hard and it's bitter and it's not the fun part of the orange. And we literally peel it off and throw it away. So I guess what this card is telling us that, you know, listen, if we want clarity, we need to go inside and we need to listen and that can be really hard. And honestly, I love that I just pulled that card because It is a pretty serendipitous segue to where we're going today, okay? So I've got a lot going on in my personal life that is illuminating some pretty juicy lessons and the big sort of red thread that keeps coming through for me is that I have got to stop trying to micromanage 
the universe. (laughs) And let me tell you, I am the oldest of four, and I have been successfully bossing people around since 1976, baby. I like to be in control. I do not like surprises. The ambiguous freaks me out. (laughs) And not having a script actually terrifies the shit out of me, which is why improv has been so important in my journey for my mental wealth, for my health, uh, and really to work the sort of outside of my comfort zone muscle so I can continue to get more and more comfortable in the unavoidable uncomfortable spaces that are just going to continue to be a part of my life. Someone once told me, you know, if you ever want to know what keeps someone up at night that you look up to, watch what they write about. Watch what they talk about. Read what they write, right? Like I'm a student of this work because just like you are afraid most days, like I'm afraid, I make mistakes, I get it wrong, I disappoint people, I make people upset, I lose followers. And listen, all of that's okay. It can all be gone with the wind. But the one thing I will never leave or let down or disappoint is myself. And that has been a work in progress. That has taken time. That has taken me really thinking through and reevaluating my fears and my relationship with fear. Because listen, you can walk away from other people and experiences and places and things that don't serve you at any time, babe, but may you never walk away from yourself. So I'm in this like season of sitting with deep discomfort. Um, I like things a certain way. I am a creature of habit. I love organization. I thrive in a organized, clutter-free environment. It is what I need mentally. I need structure or else I am completely manic. I'm a seven, right? I don't like boxes, but a a structured um, existence is is definitely something I th- I thrive within, right? And I think a lot of this is rooted in the way I grew up, okay? Like I grew up in um, a, a, a bit of a chaotic environment with a chaotic parent, my mom, you know, like you never really knew what you were going to get with her. And while I couldn't control sort of like my day to day or how my presence or my actions would fire something up good or bad, what I could control was my room and my space and how I decorated and my things and my choices and my friends and my house, like my little world, right? Um, especially my room, which from a very young age was sort of my sanctuary, um, was something I could always sort of control, right? And I could make that my safe place. And, you know, it's, it's a survival instinct that sort of is rooted in my youth. So in this solo episode, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Number one, I want to talk to you about what's going on in my life. I want to talk to you about some of the lessons I'm learning. And we also just entered Pisces season, which started on February 18th and runs through March 19th. So there's a lot of juicy lessons in there that totally synchronize with everything going on in my life. So it's like everything's aligned to the stars, right? So I want to share some insights and ideas to help you maximize the the potential of this new moon and this sun season that we're currently in. And all of this is going to help you stop micromanaging the universe so you can trust a little bit more. 
So let's jump in with Pisces season. Let's just start there. So um, one of my big goals this year is to learn a little bit more about astrology and the moons and how all the cosmic energy, and as woo-woo, I know, as woo-woo as this sounds, how all of that energy in the cosmos can really truly affect our lives and our place within it. And I've always been into this sort of thing. I, you know, I love card pulls. Heck, we just did one, an affirminator, a fun card, but still I love crystals and readings and studying the the ways energy can like limit or launch us. So I thought this would be sort of a fun hobby of sorts to take on this year as one of my big goals is to play more, to get myself out of work and into more sort of mind shifting experiences. And really, truly, the reason I'm starting here is that it's going to be the red thread, this notion of what's going on in in Pisces right now. And and with this sun season and new moon, it's going to be the the red thread for where we're going next as I share what's going on in my life and how those lessons are really aligning with where we are right now cosmically. So in a nutshell, stay with me, I promise. It's going to be worth it. In a nutshell, Pisces represents the ocean. If you're a Pisces, you know this. What's up to all my Pisces babes and babettes and dudes that are listening in? Uh, If you're a Pisces, you get it, right? It represents, your sign represents the ocean. It's fast and limitless and, and the ocean seems to connect everything. So this is a season for healing. It's also a time to simply be, which is so incredibly hard for me because I feel, and I don't know if you can relate to this, that I was born to simply do. Simply being feels like the antithesis of everything I was born to be. And that is to do. And so it gets really confusing. And listen, the doing is important. It's it's art and movement and momentum and action And all of that is what changes the world in your life. But if all you do is do, you will burn out. And you could miss very important signs and signals that we only receive in the slowness. So right now, we have this opportunity to sort of witness our lives. And and the key word there is witness our lives and watch the energy around us unfold. It's about observing all the ups and downs instead of constantly reacting to them. And your girl is a fiery Italian. Okay. I'm a little German, a little Italian, a little bit of Indian. I'm a bit of a mutt, but I'm mostly Italian. Okay. And we react. We are reactors, right? We want if you want to like if you want to get my attention, throw a lamp at the wall, and I'm listening, right? Like that's how I grew up. We react to things, so I'm always working on this muscle of response. And really, this season is here to remind us of the response, and it's here to remind us that we're never in control of the events around us, but we can learn to ride the waves of life with grace and ease. So the first gift of Pisces is that we need to release or heal or shift our energy to open up new ways of thinking. The question to be asking yourself right now in these next few weeks is this, 
What needs mending in order for you to lead with more joy, hope, and expansion for you to live with more joy, hope, and expansion. I know that I will never get more joy, hope, and expansion in the micromanaging of, of myself and my perfectionism and, and the universe and other people, places, and or things, right? So let me give you an example. It's really hard to be hopeful and a control freak. This sense of control and you not getting the things you want will literally assassinate hope because the second something doesn't go your way, see, I told you it's hopeless. See, I told you it wouldn't work. Oh, there's no hope left. Like I'm sure you've said that to yourself when something hasn't gone your way, right? So I would then need to heal where the control is coming from in order to expand the possibility of more hope in my life. See, when we deal with the shadow side, we can begin to get more of what we want. So you can't be hopeful and a control freak. Start to learn where the control is coming from and open the door to more hope in your life, right? So that's the first gift of Pisces, sort of looking at what we need to release in order to open up new ways of thinking, right? What needs to heal in order for you to have more joy, hope, and expansion? The second gift of Pisces is this sort of heightened intuition and inner knowing reminding us that you have all the answers inside of you. You know what you need. You know what you want. All you have to do is look within and everything you desire is already yours. And anything you can imagine, you already hold within your energetic space, your energetic field. So how can you allow yourself to receive more of your intuition? What boundaries do you have up? What walls are up that close you off from being more open to signs from the universe? So an example here, let's look at Wizard of Oz, right? Our girl Dorothy. So after Dorothy had gone through her whole dramatic journey to Oz, the good witch told her that all she needed to do was click her heels together three times and say, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And then she'd be home. There had really been no need for the long trip down the yellow brick road. Dorothy, who I'm sure was sort of annoyed, was like, yo, why didn't you tell me that? To which the good witch replied, well, you wouldn't have believed me. See, all this time, you thought you needed something else outside of yourself to fix what you feel is broken, but the truth is, you've always had it inside of you. The purpose of your life is to give birth to the best that is within you, and listening to our hearts, our intuition, helps us do that. All right, so speaking of micromanaging, there's going to be one thing I will allow you to micromanage, and that is your dreams and your priorities inside your week and your schedule, and I have a tool that can help you. It is our drum roll, please. I don't know. Can we get a drum roll here? a drum roll. Uh, It is our brand new possibility planner. Now, this is formerly known as our Vibe and Thrive planner. Our goal-focused planner has been redesigned and reimagined to lean into what's possible when you are 
brave enough to bet on yourself and prioritize your goals inside your schedule. So we're really excited to add the Possibility Planner to our House of And collection. So the planner, the Possibility Planner, has a little bit of a different vibe and it contains some adjustments made as a result of the the feedback we've collected over the last year from our thousands of users. Plus, the world has changed. So the way we think and the way we plan and the way we set goals should change too. So the Possibility Planner is a reflection of those changes paired with our science-backed approach of working in small windows to achieve goals. And you are listening to Keisha and I talk about how important this is and our planner can help you. Our methodology inside the House of Anne teaches four core mindsets, and you'll see these themes sprinkled throughout the pages of our new and improved Possibility Planner. We help you prepare. We help you take action. We, we help you remain open to what could be. And then, of course, we welcome you back to yourself and you start to receive all the serendipity that your action and your preparation and your openness can generate. Listen, we believe you're one door away from a completely different life. The fundamental question is, are you ready to open it? The Possibility Planner will help you do just that. There's a link in the show notes to learn more. You can, of course, click all the things in my Instagram to find your way to our planner. Give us a Google search. Either way, give it a spin. Let me know what you think. And of course, shoot me a DM on Instagram with any questions you have. Now, back to the show. And then the third and final lesson of Pisces season is learning. And this is big. This catapults into what's going on with me. Is learning the art of surrender. The white flag, baby, the white flag. So I'm sort of in this season of surrender. And a little against my will, but I know I'm in this liminal space because I'm supposed to be. We're going to talk about it. So Pisces arrives to sort of teach us to go with the flow of our lives, right? And sometimes that means releasing control and trusting something bigger. It's a time to become aware of when you are forcing things instead of letting go. It's a time to trust knowing that you don't have to do everything. You don't need to be hypervigilant. You don't have to work to control your world in every little way. And that there's always going to be things that are just a little bit out of your reach. But the good news is that the universe always has your back. When you consciously let go of control, you allow the part of you connected to all universal wisdom. And if you're human, you are connected to all universal wisdom to take over and guide you. And when you let this part of you take over, life becomes more serendipitous and full of more grace. It brings you everything you need at exactly the right time. So this walks me exactly into where I am right now because all that shit I just said, it sounds great, doesn't it? But it's so hard. All right, let's talk about it. So I'm in this super ambiguous, uncomfortable destination of big change. Um, My husband, Scott, and I are in the middle of moving our life to, to Arizona specifically Scottsdale permanently, right? We live in Ohio. We're about 30 minutes from Cleveland. Um, And I I moved here seven years ago when I got engaged to Scott and I moved here from Chicago. Now, 
My husband is from Chicago himself, born and raised there, but he actually moved to Ohio 20 years ago for a job. And this is where he raised his kids. He had his kids here. He raised them here. They're in school here. So of course I moved to him when we got engaged because it's not only the right thing to do, um, he, of course, wasn't going to leave his kids, nor would I even ever want that as an option. So I uprooted my life and began a new one here in Chicago with him and his boys. And to be totally frank, uh, that was not an easy transition for me. Um, it was really hard to leave Chicago. All of my friends were there. My career was there. My connections, improv, second city, creativity, energy, style, fashion, like everything was there. I had worked my entire life to get there. Um, Chicago was a big deal. Living in Chicago and moving to Chicago was a big deal for me. Um, and, and leaving, I mean, I could close my eyes right now and I see we're in that U-Haul and listen, grateful, so excited, so happy to be moving my life forward and starting this new journey with my, my fiance and everything we were about to go do. I was ready. No regrets. But yeah, I, I was reminiscing and, and I remember being in that U-Haul with Scott and looking out the little side, side rear view mirror. Uh, I could see the city like getting smaller and smaller and smaller and going away. And I almost felt like I couldn't breathe because I was like, this is really happening. Um, So again, right, like love led the way. I I was so excited to be starting this new chapter. um, But there was also the shadow side of leaving something I'd worked so hard for. But love led the way. And I began this new life in Ohio. And And so I say all this to you and I give you the backstory because Ohio has never really been mine. I I, I love our house and the area we live in is lovely and peaceful and it's an incredible place to raise kids. And honestly, that that's what I was here to do, to build my relationship with Scott and his boys. And that was always priority number one and mission accomplished, you know, and by the way, COVID really amplified that in a great way because we all got lots and lots and lots of time together, which was, was such a cool blessing and an experience. I mean, being a step person is not for the faint of heart. That has not been an easy journey. And me being here and coming into their world was such, I mean, I waited two years to even meet Scott's boys, right? Uh, And then we got engaged and then I moved here. So it's been such a long process. But, you know, I was here for that, to, to, to build a relationship with those boys and to build my relationship with Scott and to root down so we can all sort of rise up together. But it's never been mine. Um, I have like one friend here, shout out to my girl, Meg. <laughs> what up, Meg? So I'm lonely. Uh, you know, the energy, is, you know, I don't, there's no energy that I crave here. So I get bored really easily. Um, it, oh, it's Ohio. So most days are, are cloudy and winter seems to last forever. I mean, in Chicago, it was cold, but at least we had the sun, right? And I had all my friends and all the activities and the things in the city, right? Um, and then of course, you know, there's the toxicity of, of, of Scott's past and divorce sort of lurking around corners by way of people who don't like me simply because I'm with Scott and people that judge me and they don't know anything about me. And so it can just feel like freaking high school and it's hard and it's toxic and it's time. So, um, Scott's youngest son graduates high school in May. So he's off to college this year. Like he's like graduation's May 25th. So he's off to college. Sam, the middle one, is in medical school. Represent. He's out there kicking ass, taking names, off to medical school. And then Jack, the oldest, is in Denver. 
in electrical engineering and working and living downtown in a loft and just doing his thing in Denver. So we've got one out West, one in Dayton, Ohio, medical school, almost three and a half hours away. And then, and then Sean is, you know, in the college hunt right now, he's between a couple of schools here nor there he's gone. So we both look at each other last year. We're like, dude, we're out. Like, let's go. Uh, and the, and the reason we picked Scottsdale is because Scott has roots there, right? Having grown up going there, his parents had a place there from when he was a really young boy. He also went to ASU. He's an alum. So he lived there throughout his twenties for almost a decade. And for me, oh my God, I love the desert, the entire vibe of Arizona. I know people there. It's got energy and sun and opportunity and access to the growth. I'm crazy. I know my business will flourish there. I'll flourish there. And I can just see it right now. Our flagship house of Ann store with its big, massive magenta doors and palm trees in the background and golf and spas and the stars in the desert sky. I mean, come on. Yes, please. Right. Let's go. And I'm a Midwest girl, born and raised in St. Louis. I went to Missouri State for school. And then I moved to Chicago. Now I'm in Ohio. Like, yo, I have never, this is like so out of my comfort zone. I've never lived anywhere but the Midwest. So I'm excited. Like I go to CVS in Scottsdale or anywhere in Arizona, or even when I go out West anywhere, I'm like, Oh my God, look at this CVS on the East Coast. Like, why are you so excited? I'm like the palm trees, the mountains, like your CVS, your grocery store, like the landscape, like you, there's, it's like everywhere you look, it's just new and beautiful and inspiring. And I've always felt connected to the desert. So we decided about a year and a half ago, we made the decision. We're like, Scottsdale's where we go when Sean graduates. So we were planning to list our house for the summer um, in May, like this May, knowing that we really wouldn't have an issue selling. It's definitely a seller's market. Um, the problem isn't selling your house. The problem is buying a house because in most hot destinations, there's more demand than supply. Um, that's here nor there. But we were going to wait until May and then put our house on the market. Well, we're friends with our realtor, Patty, who we've done a couple transactions with, and she knew we were planning to move. Like we were, we were, we were going to be gone this summer, at least list the house this summer and then hopefully move, you know, to Scottsdale uh, early fall. Well, we went out with her over the holidays and she ends up telling us that there's a couple. She's like, I know the perfect people for your house. And whenever you're ready, let me know. Long story short, we did the deal. Like we never listed our house. We did this transaction behind the scenes. They came and saw it. Uh, they bought it. They literal cash offer, which is crazy what's happening in the world these days. Um, but cash offer never went on the market. And they're even, we're staying here. Like we're sort of renting back the house through June 1st. So they, there was no worries of us missing Sean's graduation. We can stay here through all of that. So long story short, we got to be out of here, the Ohio home by June 1st. So it it sort of serendipitously worked itself out, selling the house, being able to rent back and to stay here through Sean's graduation. It felt so right and so perfect and we're really grateful. So now we're on the hunt to find a house, okay? And here's where all this micromanaging of the universe sort of began to happen for me. I find myself in this very uncomfortable situation. Um, you know, I've never moved across the country. I've never, never lived anywhere but the Midwest and I've never not had a place to go. Like I've always you know, not like I've sold, I rented all my life, like until I moved to Ohio. So it's been two, I've owned two houses, our first house here in Ohio and our second house here in Ohio. So at any time I've had a house, like it's, I've done this once. So I moved from my 
rental in Chicago to our first home in Ohio that was already ready and waiting for me. Like we found a house together, moved into that house. And then that house, we moved out of that house and we did a behind the scenes deal with Patty on this house, the current Ohio house. So we never, it was never on the market. So like, I've never had the uncomfortable feeling of like, I don't know where I'm going to live. Right. And remember control freak. So this is throwing me right out of whack. So the bottom line is we can't find a house. Well, here's the thing. It's not that we can't find a house in Scottsdale. We found many houses, but we cannot secure a house. We are getting outbid. Y'all, we're getting outbid by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And even crazier, like I said, people are literally paying cash for houses, like dropping the mic and you don't even stand a chance. Like you will put a bid in and you will be $50,000 over asking, $100,000 over asking, like something crazy. And then you're like, we're gonna get it. We got it first, all this good stuff. You're, yeah, let's go. And then someone literally shows up at the open house the next day and says, yeah, oh, here's a check. And when you write a check or pay cash for a house, you can you don't need the appraisal. You forego all the, insp- it's like literally a cash deal. So it takes all that other stuff out of the, the 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 algorithm of the process, which just makes things move a lot faster. And it makes people, it just is a, it's cash. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a faster, sure thing transaction, right? So we have fa- fallen in love with three houses so far. And three times in a row, we have lost. Uh, we get beat by a cash offer at, or, you know, outbid or we don't even get a chance or we're literally driving to a house. This has happened. And literally on the way, the real estate agent says, turn around. It's somebody wrote a check. And we're like, oh my God, it's been this. It's not fun. I thought it was going to be awesome and amazing and an adventure. It is awful. It is stressful. It is an emotional roller coaster, And it takes such a toll on your heart and your life and your sanity and your relationship to sort of trust it all. Right. And specifically with this last house, I mean, we just found out I'm recording for you this for you the day after we found out that we didn't get this last house that we bid on. And let me tell you, this was the fucking house. I, we got so emotionally invested. Um, and when we found out last night that we didn't get it, you guys, I mean, we were in tears. I felt so connected. All the signs were there. I was even playing games with the universe. I was asking for signs and receiving them. At even one point, I got a photo from Scott. He went there to go see the house. I stayed back and he was showing me the kitchen appliances. He took a picture of the oven and the time on the oven was 11-11. I was like, it's a sign. This is our house, right? Like I wanted it. I'm going to get it. I was opening my journal and it was saying things to me that it wasn't a coincidence. It was a sign and that I needed to trust. I was meditating on this house. I was journaling about it. I was manifesting this house. We went at this house guns a-blazing. We were the first in there. We were the first offer. We went hard and heavy. We went full metal jacket at this bad boy. The house got a couple offers and it was down to ourselves and another offer. And I guess we were really close. And our realtor texted us saying that we were the first offer in and that if we can match the other offer or beat it, they would sign our offer by 3 p.m. yesterday because they are people of their word and they wanted to honor the fact that we were first. So we thought we fucking had it, right? We were, we were like, David is going to beat Goliath, right? We are going to beat the cash. We're going to bring humanity back to this process and show the little people that you can still win a house the traditional way and that there's still humanity left in the process and it's not just a transaction. And we were cautiously optimistic because there's only so much you can control, right? But last night we got a, a call from our realtor and they went with the cash offer. 
They were not people of their word. And I'm sure the fear of not closing, uh, the ease of a cash transaction and whatever else steered them that direction, but we lost it. It was fucking crushing. And frankly, I was kind of pissed. I was pissed that the universe didn't give me what I wanted. I asked, I believed, I journaled, I lit the fucking candles, I used the crystals, I saw 1111 on the goddamn stove, I did everything right, why the fuck did I not get it? Well, it's because I wasn't supposed to. You cannot micromanage the universe. And so many times I think we do this and we don't even realize we're doing it. We want good things and we want to be good people and we want the best to come to us. But what happens is that we get so focused on the outcome that we lose sight of the right now, the process, the moment that we're supposed to be in. So what do we do? How do we fix this? How do we manifest and put the energy out there so that we can get what we want while staying out of the way and not micromanaging the process? Now, I don't have all the answers here, but I did learn a few really big things and they're bringing me some peace right now and they've enlightened me, which has helped me calm down and maybe they'll do the same for you. Number one, (laughs) micromanaging the universe is you taking those sacred moments of meditation and journaling and thinking and receiving and trying to plop them into a timeline or an Excel spreadsheet. You can't. But what you can do is listen. Stay open to what could happen and take small daily actions and then let it it go. We cannot attach ourselves to the outcome. It's all in motion and it's all happening exactly as it should. Two, we got to trust the process and ourselves. We cannot stop. This is the good news. That's hard to hear. Oh, trust the process. People telling me that with the house. Like, it's what's meant to be is coming, Judy, trust. And I'd be like, middle fingers up, right? I want this house, right? But here's the good news. You can't stop what's meant for you. And if you feel stopped or if you get stopped, like I did, like we did last night, is for a reason, even if you don't like it. So if you thought this was going to be good, just wait, babe, it could be even better. That's exciting to think about. Three, liminal space. I'm learning to love the liminal space. This space in between where you were, who you used to be, and where you want to go. It's the messy middle, the uncomfortable, the frustrating, the confusing, the ambiguous. And it's not fun, but it's so necessary. I once heard liminal space called, like the messy middle, called God's waiting room. This place you find yourself in where the pause is there to protect you. And maybe like me, you're there right now in God's waiting room and you're frustrated, sad, confused, feeling impatient. I ask you to surrender. Join me in the surrendering. Disattach yourself from the outcome and reattach yourself to the intent and the desires and the feelings you want to have instead of what you feel you don't. See, in manifesting and dreaming of what's possible, we actually write the future of our lives by stating our desires to the universe instead 
of setting intention and becoming obsessed with everything we want. And there's a big energy shift between wanting something and desiring something. And the lines can get blurry. Okay, so there's a great book called A Happy Pocket Full of Money. We'll link up in the show notes if you want to check it out. Highly recommend. But take this in as it relates to wanting and desiring. Here's what, here's what is written about the blurry lines between the both. Remember, your thoughts are carried out with precision and perfection by the universe. It's the way the system is designed. Wanting is carried out with precision. And wanting represents a perpetual state of not having. So guys, sidebar, that means wanting is rooted in lack, in scarcity. They go on to write, desire, on the other hand, is the opposite. It is to express a wish for. So here's how the dictionary defines wanting something. To be without, lack, to be destitute or needy, a defect of character, a fault, to be absent, to be deficient or lacking, to fail, to not be sufficient, to fall back, to come short, to lack, all low vibrational, all scarcity mindset, all rooted in what we don't have. Here's how the dictionary defines desire. To express a wish for, request, the natural longing that is excited by the enjoyment or the thought of any good. It impels action or effort in its continuance or possession, an eager wish to obtain or enjoy. I mean, those are very different feelings. So it's not necessarily the word want we want to avoid. It's the state of wanting. It helps nothing to avoid the word want, but still be in a state of wanting. That's useless. Language, they write, is a symbol used to represent things like states. So the word want is a symbol that represents the state of wanting. It is therefore the state that you should avoid first. And the symbol, the word itself, should also be avoided so as not to invoke the state. But you don't want to be in a state of wanting, but you may desire whatever you want. So when you want something, you are communicating to the universe that you are destitute, needy, and in lack, right? And then the universe brings you more of that, absence and deficiency. So imagine how things can change when we flip the script, right? See, I wanted this house so bad that I lost track of what I actually desired. This was rooted in deep lack, despair, in what I didn't have, in the loss of control I was feeling, in the fear of not finding something, in the loss of my current home versus what I really desire, which is safety and pride and comfort and love and room to breathe. And it's a big way we micromanage the universe. Happy Pocket Full of Money goes on to say this, eliminate all forms of wanting. These include regretting the past wishing things are or were different, looking forward to things, wishing, wanting, worrying, and throwing your awareness and consciousness out into the future or into the past. In other words, do not hold on to the past moment and do not wish you were in the next moment to come. Instead, take in the moment of now and its fullness for all the gifts it brings to you. The fastest way to create a great future is simply 
to intend, release, and get back to enjoying here and now. Wanting tells the universe to create conditions that keep you in wanting, making it impossible to have what you desire unless you get out of a state of wanting and into another state. It is a very subtle but important way of seeing life. I guess the final thought here is this. What I have come to wake up to is that wanting is a belief in not having but actually you do have it all. So then why would you wish to believe that you don't? There's a reason to desire, but none to want. So I guess the homework assignment for myself and and you, if you're in this place too, maybe you're not getting something you want. The problem is likely simply the fact that you want it in the first place. Maybe instead of chasing what you want, you start to think a little bit more about what you desire and how it feels on the other side and let that be your North Star. So I'm surrendering. I'm waving the white flag of surrender to this process, to a house, to the perfect situation, to knowing everything and how it's going to unfold. And I'm going to instead sink in to right now, to the daily actions I can continue to take to get me closer to where I want to go and how I want to feel and who I want to be. And all of that is rooted in desires, desires that live in my heart and desires that I can't stop from happening, even if I wanted to, because what's meant for you is coming. It will find you. So take a deep breath, relax into your life, dance with the disappointment. And give yourself a big old juicy hug because you're exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm curious, is there a place you're blocked right now? I mean, are you doing all the right things to manifest, right? And I did air quotes. Are you doing all the right air quotes things to manifest something and still not getting it? Like maybe you need to surrender too, to disattach yourself from the control of knowing and settle into that liminal space and let go of the outcome and lean into what you desire and trust that what's on the way to you is coming. So talk to me, my gosh, let me know on Instagram. Like, what do you think about this episode? What did you learn? What was your aha? Are you going through this? Do you find yourself in the wanting so much so that you feel you too are sort of micromanaging the universe? I mean, talk to me. Um, And if you've got a handle on this, I'd love to hear your advice. You know, what are you doing to stay rooted in the right now and out of the limiting belief that is lack and want? I love your posts, so keep tagging me when you listen. Talk to me. I love it. You can email us anytime at hello at judyholler.com. I love hearing from you. Also, if you are not a part of our monthly mentorship, my goodness, link in the show notes. Check it out. Try a free month. You can use our discount code to get a free month. Come enjoy the community. Take in a month's worth of content and get to know what we're doing a little bit uh, more deeply. I I don't do one-on-one coaching 
coaching anymore. So this is your chance to work with me every single month, twice a month, by the way. And we're going to start hosting pop-up events around the country for our members only. And of course, um, I've got a few uh, surprises up my sleeve. One of them being uh, access to opportunities to come on the show here and share your story. And I'm offering that to my members only. So I hope to see you in our House of Am monthly mentorship. Again, hope to see you on the social media. Email us anytime. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for reviewing. And until next week, keep kicking open those doors, babe. We'll see you next week. Bye. And scene. I think we're supposed to start doing and scene now. Okay. And scene. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.